Hi and welcome to episode nine of From the Therapist Chair. Uh, I'm Heather and this is Chris. Hi. And what are we talking about this week, Chris? Social media. Okay. In, in what context? Um, why social media isn't great for <laughs> most people these days. And the impact on our mental health, do you think? Y- yes. Okay. And it's a very apt topic, I've got to say, because today I decided to deactivate Facebook. For no other reason, apart from I'm bored of it, it's boring. And it's something that I feel that I just look at instead of reading or doing more um, interesting, useful things. So, Chris, mm. over to you. Okay. Uh, I'll for, for anyone who's expecting the normal, cohesive, um, high-quality podcast that this provides, <laughs> there's going to be a big quality drop today. Oh, why'd you say that? Because I have to do a lot of talking. Because... Um, the only passion I have in life is watching social media companies burn to the ground, <laughs> metaphorically. Um, and I hate social media. I hate it with my very being. Every fibre of my body is spent disliking social media because it is a, it is not a benefit, I feel, personally. I guess maybe there is a benefit in some parts, like, mm-hmm. as you said, being able to see what shops are open. Mm-hmm. Um, contacting family however social media has evolved far beyond being able to do that because once upon a time do you remember myspace um no myspace was a social media platform that was mainly targeted towards uh, young adults and it was for music mainly it was very integrated into music so it was a very good place to finding new bands mm-hmm. um, listening to new music engaging with your friends I feel like this was probably a, a a warning of things to come because it had something on there called um, top friends so on your little profile page because you had like a a profile page that you could pretty up make it your own and um, you could spend a lot of time um, making it look beautiful having whatever colors images all sorts on it. it was a very creative web development outlet at the start but it had top friends and I remember this because it caused a lot of friction in my friendship group because when you go on someone's profiles uh, and you could see their top friends and if you ever or if somebody was left out it was a uh, a social disaster it was all the talk never we go out we go oh you haven't you haven't seen this you know she's removed him from her top friends he's not in there anymore oh yeah on her top eight <laughs> friends he's gone and it was like oh my god what does he do <laughs> what did he do to it um and it would be um stuff like that where um you know you'd you check people's top friends to make sure you're still on it and then you'd check to see where you were on their leaderboard. It was all very, the, the I feel like it was the uh, germination of what we have today Yeah. in some way. It was uh, a start of you caring more about how you look on someone's profile page than how they actually treat you in real life. Yeah. Um, and then Facebook came along and 
Facebook kind of changed everything because Facebook was just mainly for university students um, in America and it rolled out to universities in uh, England and everywhere else and it became very open. And I'm sure everybody would remember at the start where it would literally just be a place where you post a status, you talk to your friends and, and that's it. You, you would just do that and it was very self-contained and it was enjoyable. Do you remember that time? Yeah, I think I joined Facebook about 2008, something like that. Um, yeah, I remember it. Were I remember tr- I trying to think what to put, like not really knowing what what to put, what it, what it was about. Mm. Yeah, but it was um, it was very kind of like weak engagement. You yeah. you post on it. I you know I just used it to sort of. Ask my mates if they're going out and stuff like that. You'd arrange groups and stuff to, um, like if you're planning an event, you'd add all your friends into the group to make sure everybody's aware where we're going, what we're meeting. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a, a little social hub. It never really changed much, but it was certainly an improvement. But um, I've got a a really interesting quote, which is from one of the founders of Facebook, which I always remember. Because it was, well, this is the guy that kind of existed during the uprising of Facebook. Um, And he said, uh, I think in the back, deep, deep recesses in our minds, we kind of knew something bad could happen. We have created tools that are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. That is truly where we are. If you feed the beast, that beast will destroy you. If you push back on it, we have a chance to control it and rein it in. Is a point in time when people need a hard break from some of these tools and the things you, that you rely on. The short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works. There's no civil discourse, no cooperation, but just misinformation and mistruth. That is a global problem. My solution is I just don't use these tools anymore, and I haven't for years. I don't even allow my children to use social media. So this is one of the guys who worked on Facebook who says you shouldn't use it, which I feel is quite apt because, um, and it's also very true because it's gotten to the point where people will still use it. And I think like if it goes away, something will replace it. So off the top of your head, try and, for me, try and think of how many, name me a social media platform that's not facebook instagram and another one uh linkedin another one uh tiktok is that social media yeah uh tiktok's the new the new mm. one uh do i know any more oh twitter mm. i don't i'm not on twitter i don't like it it's too aggressive too aggressive yeah that's what all the one i know they're all the ones i know so there's Snapchat. Is that so? Uh, how's that social media? That's still social media. It is not. still social media. It is. It is still social media. I don't have. I don't have Snapchat. Um, YouTube that counts as social media now. Does it? Yep. Because it all works in the the kind of like the same format and the same way, where all of these platforms have the same thing, where you post something, it goes out to the masses. And the masses kind of respond to what you've posted. All of these websites are designed to be addictive. 
and that's like how the whole um, websites and applications are designed they're designed to make it so everything that you do from navigating to watching to posting to reading your notifications are all made in a, a way to make it addictive which is obviously um i guess for the most part is dopamine hmm. and what is dopamine it's a hormone how do we get dopamine no you tell me chris no you're telling me you're the you're <laughs> the the head doctor <laughs> well it's like to do with them it's your pleasure response so you get a you get your brain releases dopamine when something um pleasurable happens so like if you post something and you get likes on Facebook, then apparently you get dopamine hit from it and that becomes addictive because you like that feeling. Mm. Is that right? Um, norm yeah. Um, <laughs> um what would we normally get dopamine from, like realistically, before social media? Oh, you see I should I could have done some research if I knew you were gonna ask me these sort of questions. Yeah, but it's um it, well, it's it's not so that hard but it's like you you get it from like enjoyment from your peers yeah from your social group yeah you you know i think like you know you get dopamine from eating something nice having a hug feeling re yeah feeling rewarded stroking your dog so now you you now get a dopamine uh hit from doing what could arguably be so little effort it's trivial um, I, I speak from experience, which I'll get onto later. But this um, dopamine has somewhat been exploited to um, keep people hooked and onto these platforms, and they all do it. There were uh, there was another social media thing called Vine, which was what TikTok is now. So all that happens is that when one of them goes, another one just sort of pops up in its place to. Uh, try and not make the mistakes that the previous one did mm. um and that's all that happens all that's going to happen is that you're just going to get given a brand new one and another one so over time it will just be replaced with something else yeah and i guess maybe um well as you said about twitter how it's very aggressive that was another point as well is how there's like an algorithm and everybody hears about an algorithm, but nobody really understands about what an algorithm is. Mm. They just go, algorithm, and they're like, oh, that's a big word, and that sounds scary. But I guess to put it into like a simple term is when you view something on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, it will measure, and those apps will measure, how long you've been looking at a... um a post <clears throat> so if you are browsing for instagram and you look at a post but you don't like it you just look at it it will kind of register and time how long you've looked at that and it will use that as like a feedback for tools and that's how they do um, advertising as well mm. so when you're scrolling through, you stop to look at something, you stop to read something, it will note that you've read that, and then it will try and build a profile on you. So when you are on Instagram, it knows exactly what it should be posting towards you, what it should be mainly targeting towards you as a person. Mm. And you can see this working if you, for example, when I go on Instagram, I don't look at anything um, 
and I don't like anything. So the only thing that's ever shown to me from Instagram is something that I've looked at that's been linked to it. So sometimes um, football, sometimes tattoos, um, space images, I think, from when I went on uh, NASA's Instagram profile or something similar to it. Yeah. So now whenever I go and explore, even though I've not liked any of those, it's still given me the things that I have only looked at. And that's how you kind of end up going into what is known as a, a feedback loop mm-hmm. where you are shown exactly what you want to see to keep you there for longer. Right. And the point being, why why, why do we need to stay there for longer? So I think maybe the best way to look at social media is um, we, the, the product of social media isn't the tool isn't the the platform it's the exposure so that's basically how they earn their money they earn money from the user base so when they go okay we you know it's it's basically advertising money so they can go to coca-cola and be like look if you buy this advertising space we can guarantee that 500 million people We'll look at your post for 20 seconds on average if we uh, target it towards them and stuff like that. Right. So the money is earned and made by the people. So we are basically the, the product that is being sold, the information that's gathered based on, you know, age groups, um, likes and dislikes, how often they use it, when they use it, peak times, um, what the reported um, feedback is in terms of clicks and analytics anybody that's advertised on facebook will kind of know all about that so it's 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 very very powerful in terms of getting money and that's why it's important that they keep you on it for as long as possible mm. because the longer you're on it the more adverts you get um for an example is snapchat which is just a it was a doesn't get really used that much now, but you would just post short videos to your friends. Um, and if you were an influencer, or as I call them, narcissist, you would post a, a picture or a video of you doing something outrageous. Um, and people would just follow you. They'd go for your timeline. And then maybe after every three videos you've watched, oh, you get a, an advert for Coke uh, or any other big product and then you keep on going through it you go through it for longer and then that's kind of it right so you go through this loop i didn't know the adverts. and that's what the product is yep uh same with um tiktok as well because now tiktok's a big thing the long, longer you're on tiktok the uh more exposure and the more value that companies get and advertisers get from um buying into tiktok and you know, buying advertising space and that makes their value go up a lot more. Ah, because I, re- I, I realised on it, because I'm sort of relatively new to TikTok in that I just scroll through it and watch, you'll never guess what, cooking videos, Chris. <laughs> I've learned all sorts. Um, but I have noticed that it's quite addictive in that it's so easy just to while away the hours mm. on there without even realising. And also... 
there's certain like ones that come up now and again because obviously the ones that you watch are the ones that are repeated you've got to be careful what you watch otherwise you end up getting <laughs> shown things that you maybe don't want to see just saying um and then also uh i noticed that there were uh, this woman that were on tiktok were then i saw her on facebook actually advertising she were working for a company advertising something so she's an influencer isn't she it's all like a new mm. world to me this and then she's being paid by another company to advertise their product it's yeah, that's, big business um, that is a whole different beast mm. um which uh well i'll get on to the to the part which will make me sound a bit weird <clears throat> uh in a few moments okay. um but it's basically something about instagram um but anyway so you mentioned about how um you find you get caught on it yeah um that used to exist on youtube years ago and it used to be people used to just like refer it going down the rabbit hole of youtube mm. but years ago back then um, the videos that you'd get recommended could be completely random and unrelated to what you watch. Yeah. Um, now they've started to do it, so it's not random. And the videos that you want to watch are ones that are similar to what you watch now or you might have clicked on before. So it keeps you on it. Um, even YouTube, finally, um, I can't remember when this was implemented, but they have tools on their app now. So they will tell you, after a certain amount of time um like you have been on youtube for x amount of time you need to come off it now um it will also tell you it is this time in the evening you should not be on youtube anymore oh, so really? even youtube has um settings now to make it so you should stop going on youtube and recently they have also started doing what TikTok do, um, which is do short videos. So short videos are very, very good because <clears throat> this also applies to video games as well. Um, so I could do it easily, a full episode of video games, no problem. I think we should. So if you ever need, if you ever need like um, a filler podcast episode just tell me to do one on video games because it applies applies the same thing onto this as well be good for teenagers um, that. definitely so it basically works of um giving you um small bursts of enjoyment or dopamine by keeping it as compact as possible mm. so if you look at tiktok and you look at um and stuff like that the the videos are 30 seconds long very high impact very fast cutting Things that um, are sure exciting because it keeps you engaged and it keeps you paying attention. Yeah. And it's harder to, um, I guess maybe the word is to sort of like get a break because you can just watch one after the other after the other. Now, I've never been big on any of these short form video stuff. Um, but one day I clicked on YouTube shorts, which is exactly like TikTok. And I was literally sitting there for about 30 minutes looking at all these terrible shorts. And I was like, oh, my God, I have literally just been captured. Mm. And I was like, curse ye, Google, <laughs> for ensnaring me in your venom. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's very, very easy to get caught up in it. And it's it's why also YouTube videos are 10 minutes long, because um, they sort of say that 10 minutes is like the golden point 
if you go beyond 10 minutes you start losing your audience's um, attention mm. and it will be harder to retain that attention so when you're feeding ads for your youtube video they may not see the ads at the end so you have to make them compact snappy and it's the same thing with um, video games where they make them quite shorter because it's easier to go and well this is my theory so this could be completely wrong but having been a slave to both of them i'm pretty sure this is 100 percent correct it is easier when you're sort of like going to bed or when you have something to do or when you wanted to do something it is kind of harder to move away from something when it's given to you in short bursts so it's it's kind of like less easier to keep track of what you're doing when every 10 minutes you're receiving like a new set of information mm -hmm. so you know if you're watching a youtube video that's 10 minutes quite punctual to the point there's like no downtime it's easier to just like forget about what you're meant to be doing and just watch another one and you end up getting trapped in that cycle whereas in a, a longer form media there's sometimes breaks there's sometimes like a, a resting point so it's a lot easier for you to go all right i can just watch this one and go to bed whereas when it's shorter you can go oh, i can watch another one before i go to bed or i can watch another one before i go to bed yeah. and then another one becomes another one um so that's my theory that i have on why um these kind of things are designed to be short punctual because it's easier to hold your attention when it's small bursts of different videos than it is to you know have an hour long it's true um, yeah youtube session i think if because if you were watching something that was an hour that's quite a commitment into you have to think right i've got to give myself an hour free to watch this and how do i know it's going to be worth my while to watch it but whereas if you're watching like short, like if you think about TikTok again, really short ones, you like go, oh, well, it's only like 30 seconds. It's fine. It's not going to take long. And you just, and before you know it, you've spent three hours on it. So it totally, really draws you in. Mm. Um, but it's just the mindset, how you view it, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. But um, almost everything's now designed to draw you in. Um, we all know about, um, well, <clears throat> infinite scrolling. Do you know what that is? Well, in that on Facebook or on Instagram mm. where you never... Because there is no end to it. You can just scroll and scroll and scroll, can't you? There is not. And infinite scrolling used to be a very new thing. And now infinite scrolling is literally everywhere. Mm. It's when you actually realize um, or are aware of infinite um, scrolling, you will then notice how much and how many websites integrate it. Even shopping, even shopping websites have infinite scrolling. Um, there are websites that, um, like news aggregate websites, that will introduce infinite scrolling because it will keep you onto that website because it never ends. So there's no break point. There's no sort of part where you have to go, oh, I've looked through this entire page. I must go on to the next one. Mm. When you have infinite scrolling, it's easy to just keep going because the content never ends. So your scrolling never ends. Yeah. There is like a, never a point where, okay, I'll get to the bottom of this page and I'll go to bed. It's like a, like reading a book. You know, if, if you're reading a really good book, you can go, okay, I can wait to this end of this chapter and then I can go to bed. But then I sometimes think, well, what if the chapters didn't exist? I mean, I've read a book. Well, I've read books that I could never put down. 
And I'm pretty sure if there were no chapters and it was just an infinite thing, I would probably have just read it until the early hours of the of the morning without realizing. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. So it's the same thing with social media. Um, it's just designed to keep you looking and designed to keep you looking for longer. Mm. And that it's I think one of the issues is as well, it's creeping into spaces that shouldn't have these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um another example is Goodreads. A website that I use to read books. And uh, I made an account because I was like, oh, I, it, I can look at books and see what ones it recommends to me. And it has it has posts. It it has uh, posts and status updates and friends. Oh, so it's like social if, media. It's like a, a social media. So I was like, oh, this is weird. And then I made my account. It takes me to my profile page. Um, and it didn't. It didn't make me feel bad, but it made me laugh. But it had. Um, it had Chris Parker, fifty-three books, zero friends, because I had no friends on my Goodreads account. And I was like, "Oh, thanks for that, buddy." <laughs> I really wanted this when I was going on a, a website to just check out some books yeah. that I want to read, yeah. and now it's reminding me that I have no friends. It's like that's not very nice of you. <laughs> That's a bit awful. So it's um, it's just kind of like breeds out everywhere into a state where you are constantly, I feel like, uh, pressured and judged into all of these um, addicting things on Facebook. And then they then seep into websites where you shouldn't really be exposed to them. Yeah, yeah. Like ASOS. It, why has that got unlimited scrolling on there? I think so, yeah. Mm, interesting. So what impact do you think this has on our mental health then? Oh, it's made me inconceivably sad. Um, As someone that has been, I would say, a victim of it, to give some sort of uh, backstory, um, I used to be semi-relevant on the internet in a small community. Um, So I don't want to brag, but I used to be kind of a big deal. Were you an influencer, Chris? No. Oh. Um, but I used to be a big deal in a video game in a very niche community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working with a celebrity. No. Um, <laughs> if if I was a celebrity, mm, no, I don't think I could. No, I don't think I would ever mention myself as a celebrity, but my point is, is that even a tiny, minor, mediocre internet celebrity in an incredibly small, confined space of the internet can get affected by it, then I think it goes to show how, how bad it can be. But basically, um, I used to create stuff for YouTube. I used to have like a, a website where I did a blog and stuff like that. It was kind of all right. I had like 63,000 people would read my blog Stop in bad. total. It's not bad. It got trans... Yeah, yeah, it was good. It got translated to Russian as well, oh. which was, like, pretty decent. I was like, oh, my God. Someone has translated what I've written. <laughs> and they had to, you know, message me. And they're like, what did you mean when you said this? And I was like, oh, ignore that. I don't think that's translatable. <laughs> um, But it used to be, like, the same thing on sort of YouTube and Twitter, 
when I'd upload something to YouTube, it would get like tens and thousands of views and maybe 60,000 and stuff like that. So when that happens, I'm going to feel great. I'm going to upload something or I'm going to post something on my blog. And then I'm going to look at my analytics and I'm going to see the, the green arrow pointing up and the graph going up and the graphs continuing to go up. Um, and I'm going to be like, you know, if I stream video games, I'm going to see the numbers go up. I'm going to see, oh, there's 300 people watching me. That's a good number. I'm enjoying that. Lovely. And when it's all green, you feel brilliant because you look at what you're doing and you think people are enjoying this. This is great. Fantastic. And then when it when it goes red, when it goes down, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I would imagine you would you might start feeling quite disappointed and comparing, wonder what you've done wrong and why is it going down and feeling quite miserable about it. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I was destroyed. I was distraught. I, I had no idea what had changed. Mm. What I hadn't changed, nothing that I was doing was changing, but the uh the green the green was turning into red. It was doing a, a downward uh, trend on the graphs yeah and it was you know it was it was um i don't know if it was well i guess it was hurtful because you kind of sit there and you think i'm not doing anything different what's happened what what's going on when i post on twitter there's less people liking my posts when i post a video on youtube it's taking longer to get to the you know to get to the thousands whereas it used to in a day now it's taking two weeks mm. and i think what well, but i feel like this is the best thing i've done this is the best thing i've i've ever posted what's happened and then it it kind of like just keeps on going because i it was you know i was on twitter and then i had my blog posts and then i had youtube so those are three platforms where things are starting to go down and i'm thinking oh my goodness i'm a loser and then it, it just keeps on sort of like going further and further and further where you um, change your outlook to being you're only as good as the the last thing that you posted. Mm. Um, in retrospect now, I think it was it's pretty good that I had such a, an outreach and, you know, so many people had looked at my content, seen my face and stuff like that. I think that's brilliant. Whereas at the time, I thought I was a failure because, you know, I I wasn't hitting the numbers of of my, you know, golden moment that I had. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I should have, you know, really just thought, well, you know, it was it was great that it happened. But I was in a free fall of worrying and stressing and feeling bad that what I was doing um, wasn't being as well received as it was before, and it just kept on going further and further and further. Okay. And do you, do you, I would imagine that lots of people, that happens to a lot of people. I mean, I know that mm. if I think about, because obviously I have got, um, I mean, like nothing on those sort of numbers, but a Facebook, a, um, you know, a Yorkshire Psychotherapy work Facebook page and Instagram but I, and I, I don't know whether it's a generational thing because obviously I'm a bit older than you but I don't really look at um, the analytics I don't really pay much attention to how many people are looking at it 
I just do it. I feel like it's a bit of an obligation that I need to do it. It keeps raising the profile of the business. So I do it very much from a business perspective more than anything. Mm. But I know that I see a lot of um, clients that come to see me, so particularly younger ones that like say on Instagram, they're very, very motivated by how many likes they get and, you know, and, and who's looking at them and that there's got to be a certain sort of level, a standard of photo and things and like, um yeah so I, i'm not sure if it's uh it's it's more the encouragement and this is like a completely separate um thing that i probably speak at the end on how to free yourself but um i used to i used to get notifications and i think that's why so at first it never really bothered me mm. but when um i get a notification on my phone and it said your videos got 1,000 more viewers than your last one in half the time. I think, oh, uh, yeah. has it? Yeah. Blimey, that's pretty good. And they'll be like, oh, I get an email um, on the site that I did a blog post on. It's like, oh, great news. Your your blog post has been seen by 10,000 people in the last week. I'm like, oh, oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, thanks for showing me that. And then the week later, I I do another one. It goes, your blog post has been seen by 5,000. I'm like, oh, done. That's 5,000 less than the week before. What's happened here? Yeah. What have I done wrong? What's gone on? Mm. I think that's um, what happens. I think like everyone kind of, it's like, I guess, a gateway drug, to put it in a really weird way. Mm. There's like a, a point where, if you had like a, a moment of, um, let's say, maybe success, maybe exposure on the internet, I think that applies to anyone. If they had like a an exposure point where, you know, they tweeted something or they posted something and they got a lot of views, mm. um, I think it's like at that point that initial jump up is what kind of gets you hooked. What kind of um, gets you that level of interest from yourself? Because it's something that no one's really aware of. It's like becoming a, a minor celebrity. Mm. Um, I have a cat video on my YouTube channel that has like 2 million views. Wow. And <laughs> I'm impressed. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's kind of that little introduction that sort of goes, hello. Yeah. 2 million people have seen my cat. And that you kind of get a bit kind of um, addicted to it or a bit of a, I wonder what I could do with this. Yeah. So it's like a, a door opening to you where I, I can imagine like if, um, you know, like someone who's younger, if they post something on TikTok and it gets shared like thousands of times, they're like, hello, this is this is good. This is, this is big. And then I can imagine like maybe immediately after where they, you know, maybe their next post gets a quarter of that they're probably like oh what have i done wrong mm. what did i do I, I this this was amazing last week and and now this time it, it's only got like five percent of the the views that it had before so it's all kind of you know it goes back to dopamine you become like um embroiled in it and then you are only as good as as the last thing that you posted so you ne- you never you never really think of that positive of, hey, that was a pretty good 
you know loads of people saw what i did yeah you then just sort of think not as many people saw what i've just done it must be terrible in comparison yeah so that's sort of breeding uh a massive well mental health problem isn't it really if we think about it that there's going to be all these people that uh are comparing the self and comparing the self not only to others but also to their own success and mm. viewing themselves I, then as failures i think it's also a case of um i think maybe the best way of thinking it is um how um people's friendships and their social circles have um maybe increased so I guess maybe, for example, like you only would and you used to only really care about what your friends thought um, of you or you'd only socialize with your friends, your family. Um, And now because of social media, you now seem to put more weight and maybe put extra weight on um, what someone halfway across the world thinks of you or what these random people on the Internet think of you. You know, you you care more about how many of these people that you may never meet like your post. When in reality, I don't think that should really matter. You should only really matter about those closest to you, Mm. you know, what they think of you, um, you know, whether or not they like you as a person. So it's kind of, I felt like during that point, I'd seemed to be caring and putting a lot of fuss over people that I may never meet instead of actually being sort of aware of like the people around me and whether or not they still like me because you you feel you feel terrible you feel you feel like awful when you know that sort of like dizzying high disappears and dissipates and you sort of feel that you're not worth anything anymore whereas you know my parents probably well they had no idea of my internet um stardom as minor as it is they probably still you know, they probably never thought of such a thing. But at that point, I thought I was a failure. Mm. It's like, you know, if you have like friends, you're probably not going to care about what a stranger thinks of you or whether or not they like your Instagram photo. You'll probably just care about whether or not your actual friend did that you see or know personally actually does. Not, you know, what some dude in Germany thought. Does that make any sense? It does. It does. Yeah. I was thinking that. I, I would. Well, I was just thinking about social media. It depends really, doesn't it, as to whether... Uh, I think how you use it also, it defines what's important to you. So, like I was saying, I use it a lot for work purposes. So then, you know, I want people... It's nice to get new followers and new people engaged in what you're doing um because mm. it helps to build the business so that's but from a personal um level then i have mine private so that people can't see it anyway so it's irrelevant really but what is interesting is to think how um people that i have as friends on facebook i have actually seen out in public i mean i may be going off track a bit here and they've ignored me but yet the friends, like they're a friend on Facebook. Because they're not really friends, are they? You know, major- no. majority of people on Facebook are not really your friends. I have mm. I have probably about five or six friends, that's it. <laughs> in all honesty. I mean, 
that also used to be a big thing. I can't remember if it was on Facebook or if it was on MySpace, but I remember when people used to be judged based on how many friends they have, mm. like on like these social media platforms. It's like you don't know any of these. No one cares if you've got 10,000 friends. Yeah. You don't know any of them. No. It's like, you know, that's like how many, what, like three birthdays a year you've got to remember sorry three birthdays a day you've got to remember with those ten thousand friends that's impossible <laughs> that's also financially irresponsible <laughs> but it's you know it's kind of um where you start changing your your thought process where you think that you're only good on the internet yeah well this is actually for me is where i started thinking i am not i am only good on the internet you know if i'm you know people in real life don't like me only on the people on the internet like me they only accept me there and nobody else does when you know that is completely not true yeah but there is obviously good parts of social media it's like keep it keeps people in contact when they're far away in distances you know there were still the the times where you arrange groups and and stuff with family and friends easy so it's not all bad i just don't use the good stuff i just refuse to use it in general I think the benefits of it are things like finding out about what's happening in your area or finding out about events. So, like, you know, I'm on, uh, like, a local um, uh, Facebook page. Well, I was, but I've come off Facebook now. <laughs> but I've run a local Facebook page that uh, tells you about what are happening in the area and stuff. So it's quite interesting. Things like that are, are good to know. Um, and you know using mm. it for selling things and stuff so there are some benefits but I think I can totally see I mean the experience that you had you can see why you know that would affect your mental health you know feeling really bad about yourself and and a lot of the people mm. that I see that um, particular you know lots of teenagers and there's lots of bullying goes off on social media as well um, and mm. you know WhatsApp groups where, you know, groups of friends would gang up on other friends. It happens. One one of my friends' um, children uh, is in primary school and she was talking about they've got a WhatsApp group and there were lots of some bullying going off there. And it's just horrendous, really. So the, it, it can be mm. really harmful. And I think, like, when I grew up, the, we didn't have social media at all until I were, um, I don't know how old. Well... I first went on Facebook in, yeah, when I said 2008, I think. So until that point, I had not really been involved in social media. I'll tell you what there was, that one um, where you could meet up with old school friends or so. What was that called? Do you remember that one? I do, but I don't remember the name of it. I don't remember. So I remember being on there and getting in touch with a few people from school, which were nice. But that was that's like the earliest... Uh, so mm. but those those would have been innocent those would have been a tool to fulfill a purpose it's like facebook was a tool to fulfill a purpose yeah. it was only until they realized how much money that they could make of it that it expanded that's it because it it became a thing for just talking to people and meeting people and using it as like a, a platform to engage with people you know when you can't in real life mm. to the primary engagement tool to people that you could see in real life and also many more things like um you know like buying and selling stuff they're all trying to dip their toes into the same thing so you move their product for um use their product more mm. 
Well, one thing that um, well, the the part that would I think I said was going to make me sound a bit weird or uh, a bit strange is that I have way too much sympathy, I think, for young people, especially young girls on social media, because it must be terrible. It is a, a minefield of I don't know, maybe a toxic platform of fake posts. Mm um photoshop like leading to body negativity yeah. and making people feel bad about themselves you talk about bullying as well on on groups i remember there was even a website where this was a while ago now it was like maybe um you could post anonymously to a school yeah i remember hearing about it yeah and you could you could just post whatever you wanted um yeah and slag off whoever yeah. and people could like it yeah and you know if the, the the amount of sympathy i have is 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 great because i just can't imagine like how i i mean mine uh like my experience you know just made me feel garbage as it was and it was kind of only minor it wasn't even anything that great and it involved people that like i didn't even know for the most part um, but it never affected me as a person. Mm. Like it didn't sort of like, um, you know, really target me physically and my being. Whereas you have Instagram and you have these people that have just been shown, hey, you need to have some of these diet pills or look at this amazingly attractive like women that are in your feed that you can never look like because, you know, Photoshop doesn't work in real life, but, you know, they're not told that. They don't see the difference in that. They just see what people have been posting and they just sort of feel bad about themselves. Yeah. It's just really, really um, upsetting to see such a conditioning um, being played into, you know, younger people. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember, I think this is twice they've tried it now, but Facebook a few years ago tried um facebook for kids which i believe was um attempted and shut down quite heavily mm -hmm. um and i believe they're trying to do an instagram for kids as well so i believe it's it's recently that facebook are currently developing instagram but for kids for 13 and under which the the reason why they're doing that is because it becomes ingrained with them. They'll follow that brand, that tool as they grow up. So it becomes a part of their day to day. So they'll never lose that grip on them mm. because YouTube for kids is incredibly um, beneficial. So there's already uh, a kid's YouTube app. It's worth loads of money. It creates loads of money. And now Instagram's going to do the same for under 13. Oh. But before, um, I'll, I'll end on uh, one extra point as well. And then I'll tell you how you can get free of this madness because these things worked for me. But I think maybe the most important thing to realize is that <clears throat> none of these companies are your friends. They don't really have your best interest at heart. Um the only thing that they are really driven by is numbers and the money that they can make. And a good example of that is, um, love it, bringing back football again. Um, 
football and the racist abuse that players receive um there's probably loads of things that they could do to stop it to give players more tools to filter it remove it um, more moderation settings but they don't and these people it's, it's probably because you know they'll still earn ridiculous amount of money anyway even if these football players just decide to not bother anymore mm. but the most um thing that basically creates the most traffic for um these websites um is essentially negative content so negative content um and negative news basically generates more likes and creates more viral um content so these places are basically fueled by negativity because that's the most popular stuff that's the most engaging content it keeps people on it the most so if you ever um, look on twitter and you look at something negative it's actually going to be more likely that you'll get this kind of content again in the future because it's more engaging nothing's more engaging than seeing something that annoys you um, because everybody feels like they've got to share their opinion on something. Mm. So it will just keep on following and following and following. And it's what keeps you on there for the most part. Yeah, and, and that's but, what keeps me off, because I hate stuff like that. Mm, it's awful. I mean, I do. It's it's terrible. But I think the best thing is, is that when you realise what's happening, it becomes easier to move yourself away mm. from it. So I have a list of incredibly, uh, I think they're useful, tips to um free yourself well not free yourself i think the most important thing is that um social media becomes is it habitual is that the word it becomes uh, an ingrained behavior of your person so it becomes um almost second nature and there's many many different things and i've read a really really long paper on this even though it's way above my um iq level um but It was basically saying how a part of social media and the addiction to it isn't just the fact that you have like this urge to go onto it. It's also a muscle memory. So when you go onto your phone, um, it's, you know, the process of getting out your phone, unlocking it, swiping to the app and then pressing on it is actually one of the biggest things that keeps people addicted to Mm. it. So the theory that I saw on this um, paper was that you try and create as many steps as you can between those functions so what i do is um on my phone on the first page when i unlock it i have no icons on there it's completely blank there's no apps you don't see anything you just see my wallpaper Mm -hmm. and that's it because what you're trying to do you're trying to create as many steps from unlocking your phone to going on facebook as possible so then it doesn't become like a, a repetitive Um, thing that you keep on doing over and over again Mm -hmm. so you give yourself more time to realize ah i don't need to go on this right now or you know why am i doing this i don't need to go on facebook i don't need to go on instagram right now because the more steps you have the more time that you give yourself to sort of realize that you shouldn't be going on it you don't need to just you know turn it off um another thing as well is turn off notifications for social media applications so I have no applications on my phone that gives me notifications apart from text messaging and my phone ringing. So, you know, if if I don't ha- actually have my phone on me, I'm not looking at it. I don't know if anyone sent me a message. 
I don't know if anybody sent me an email. I don't know anything. But all I remember to do is maybe every couple of hours check my phone. Yeah. And then that's it. So I'd highly recommend that because most of the notifications are fed to you at the perfect time where it knows you're more likely to check those notifications. So you can actually normally tell this because um, if you're like have a nine to five job where you don't really sort of um, check your phone, you'll notice that you get most of your notifications whenever you're not at work because it will normally know the best time to target those notifications because it knows you're going to look at them for longer. Yeah. Um, another thing to do as well is that uh, take your phone when you go to bed and put it on the opposite side of the room. That's one that I try and do. Um, I normally put it on the side or I just don't have it anywhere near me before I go to bed it's because the last thing you want to do is wake up in the morning um, and look at your phone to give yourself a terrible start to the day. Mm. Same thing with going to bed. You know, you don't need to be sitting on your phone for an hour stopping yourself from going to sleep because that's the another massive impact social media has, which is sleep deprivation. Um, so obviously, you know, if your alarm goes off, you have to turn it off. You have to get yourself out of bed, walk to the other side of the room to turn it off as well. So that's really good. And um, some phones, I know iPhones have it now, but iPhones have a way for you to track um, how often you go on your phone, how often you look at apps, um, the screen time when you're actually looking at those apps as well, um, which is very, very good uh, and is a really good tool because it helps you realize how much of the day you have spent looking at Instagram or looking on YouTube. Um, on my phone, um, it tells me at the end of the day how long I've looked at my phone for. And it gives me a breakdown so I can see all the apps that I've looked at, how long I've been on those apps as well. So that's what I would suggest for anybody that wants to spend less time and also maybe know someone that needs to spend less time on it. Yeah, like me. <laughs> but... I mean, it's 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 all kind of... It just depends on the the healthiness. I think for some people, and I, and I call, you know, Facebook a necessary evil is because for some people it's really important for their work. Mm. It's become ingrained in their daily life. You know, some um, small businesses rely on Facebook. Um, you know, I remember when I was booking a tattoo. You know, I had to contact them through Facebook. There was no other way. Email to these people as an alien concept i had to go on facebook and i had to contact them through yeah. there which was terrible because i had to go through about four years worth of messages that people had sent me um because i still leave my facebook on even though i've never looked at it yeah um it's actually been three years since i've been on facebook wow i know but i go on twitter every day to post a picture of my cat yeah so yeah i do <laughs> And I always feel bad because when I post a picture of my cat on Twitter, it gets like maybe 20, 30 likes. And I post a picture of my bald head and it only gets one. And I just Aww. think, you know, what's going on here? Well, why, why do people prefer my cat over everybody my Everybody always loves animals more than people. I do the same. I post pictures of the dogs on um, my work account and I always get loads more likes and like illustrations that we've made are picture of me put a picture of dogs get more likes but that's fine i'm happy with that dogs are cute well, i mean <laughs> i i like to, i think of it as you know my at the end of the day my cat doesn't care if you like the photo 
She doesn't understand she got 20 likes. I understand if I get 20 likes. So give me the likes, not my cat. <laughs> so You know, if I post a picture of my head and it doesn't get 20 likes, that makes me feel oh. bad. If I post a picture of my cat and she only gets one like, she doesn't know the concept of likes, you know? It doesn't affect her. She's just sleeping. So for anybody listening, if you follow Chris on Twitter, please like his bald head and then he'll shut mm. up about it. <laughs> it'll give, I need that. It'll give I need that a... boost. It needs a boost. It needs a boost. Oh. Can you imagine if I went on Instagram these days and I just get pictures of men with beautiful long hair? Well, I think, I'd be distraught. I think you should go on and just put loads of photos of your bald head every day. Just a photo of the like the top of your head like that. Why well, no, not? Because could... people would be asking me why have I posted an egg. You could become an influencer. A bald-headed influencer. Fortunately, that. That seems like a, a possibility. A concept it does. that would burn in flames. No, I think I think you could do well. You could, yeah. Anyway, yeah. The... Speaking of which, it was my mum's birthday, and I got her a card, and I sent her a picture of my bald head on the moon pig card. I bet she was really pleased by that. All your face, or just your head? Just the head. <laughs> did she know what it was? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. I hope she way. did. <laughs> She did. Oh, you see, well, well, you could, you know, you've got a face that only a mother could love. So that is true. <laughs> That's the bounds of saying. But I don't send them. I don't. I don't send them my face. I just send them my bald head. Oh, well, say happy birthday to your mum. Does she know about your podcast? I bet she doesn't. No, she doesn't. No, oh, I'll send it to her. I'll find her. No, you, no, <laughs> not possible. Nobody, you know. No, I think like it's. It, this is the other part as well. Is um actually is you know we have the podcast. And, you know, there's even analytics on that. And you, you, you're kind of led into sort of looking on, having a little peep to see how well it's doing, how, you know, what's doing well, what's not, you know, what's not doing well. I've not looked for a few weeks. I'm not that bothered. Just if, No, neither am I. The fact that... But it's like, uh, the fact it's, it's, it's something that you could be bothered about, you know? You could, yeah. The fact that anybody listens to it, I think is nice. And what I find is that I have... Some of my clients will say, oh, I listen to your podcast. In fact, somebody, uh, they might know who it is if they're listening, said that they'd listen to it and um, it was an old client who I used to see and said that when they listened to it, it brought it made them cry listening to my voice. I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, to be fair. I think it were in a good way. So it is helping some people. Mm. So that's that's the main thing, isn't it? And I think this is uh, talking about social media is interesting because it's something that affects most people, um, mm. p- and particularly for teenagers and um, people that are born uh, in this era when social media is just the norm. Then it's it's really useful for mm. people to get um, to think about their relationship with social media, and and it'll be also interesting to think next time I do my podcast, will I be back on Facebook or not? watch this space to find out well there was a another paper that i read and it said people that aren't on social media i think it included facebook instagram and twitter mm. they said they were 20 percent happier yeah well we'll see and i always said um that oh my goodness i don't use facebook so is this me 20 percent happier could you imagine me if i was on facebook <laughs> That you're happy, really. You and your, you and yeah. you and your cat. <laughs> yeah. Right. Ne- but it's uh, yeah, it's just a a massive um trap that I feel um 
you know, I, I spoke at the start about how YouTube keeps a track and sort of says, hey, you've been on this for too long. And this is something that I think is needed for every social media platform just to sort of help people take a break from it when they need it the most. That's going against what the, uh, what the whole aim is, though, isn't it, really? It is. Yeah. But you you can do it yourself. I got my screen mm. time um, notification today, and it was five hours twenty minutes. That's for a week, though, not a day. Oh, that's good then. That's good then. That's very it's very. Not good. bad, is it? No, that's good. It's mainly because I'm getting old, so I'll just go to sleep early. <laughs> right. Well, at least you're you're going to sleep and you're not checking your phone before you go to sleep. That's important. well, well, I'll not be now that I've come off Facebook, but yeah, maybe sometimes I might read instead. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? No. So, thanks, Chris. That was very enlightening, and I learned some things. I wish I'd read up more on dopamine, because I sound like a bit of an idiot, but never mind. It's fine. I can accept my I was hoping you'd. Uh, I was hoping you'd bail me out with that, so maybe you would talk about it for longer, and then I could... Yeah, sorry about that. I was like, oh, no. Got a lot on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I have to speak more. <laughs> you did well. You did well. Um, so next time, much to Chris's bemusement, we're going to talk about the menopause. I can see him frowning. Um, uh, the Davina McCall's done a documentary about menopause and perimenopause, and it's very apt for women of a certain age, late thirties upwards. So I thought it'd be really interesting because I get lots of people who are suffering with anxiety, and it is. Uh, hormone related so we're going to talk about that and also I think from Chris's perspective it's good for him to know what he's got to look forward to and also I think for any men it's also important to listen to um, and think about the women in their life whoever that might be so that's what we're going to talk about next time but I think we should definitely do a podcast on gaming as well Chris Oh, that would be... I could do that for hours on end. Well, we've only got... This, this was me holding back on the social media one. I this. I can tell. You did well. It, I, it, oh, <laughs> I could have just gone on for days. And with gaming, I could go on for years, well, trust me. you've got an hour, that's it, mate. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>